I'm Ken Hemmings, and he is Chris Lang, and welcome to another of these regular property briefings. Again, a warm welcome to you, Chris. Thanks. I really enjoy being here. A few weeks ago, we talked about the various things a full-time commercial property investor should consider. And towards the end of that, you touched upon the need to have your property in ready-to-sell condition after 12 months from when you purchase it. I wonder if you could just give us your take on the type of things a, a property owner actually needs to address. All right. Let's assume that this is not a rushed sale and that you have plenty of time to plan an orderly selling program for your property. If that's the case, then there are probably three crucial elements that you need to have fully completed. And that would fall into what I call the pivotal issues, being things that can fundamentally change the makeup of the property. Then you've got your cosmetic items, which are somewhat more superficial. And then you've got your financial aspects. And these are the items which underpinned the ultimate calculation of the property's value. Why don't we start with some of those pivotal issues? Well, the pivotal issues would include things like a simple subdivision of one title into two or more smaller components, or if it's a multi-storey building, the subdivision into separate floors, and even within the floors themselves. The important thing is that these major changes to the composition. In other words, you bought a larger property, be it one floor or multiple floors, and you've effectively bought it wholesale and you're looking to create a retail complexion at the point of sale. Now, whether you choose to sell it individually is up to you, but at least the next person purchasing it has the comfort of knowing if ever they get caught short, they could sell off one or more of the component pieces rather than having to necessarily sell the whole lot and be looking for a much larger buyer. So it does change the complexion. On the surface of it, the property doesn't look any different. But from a not only a psychological but a financial point of view, you're going to have a lot more buyers when you've got multiple titles than you will if you've only got one. Now, the next pivotal issue would be refurbishing a tired interior. And you can do this by way of just a quick trick up or a total refit and upgrade. I mean, it might be that you've taken on a property, the tenant's been there for ages, and everything is just past its use-by date. The carpet is worn, The things like the door furniture might be antiquated or certainly not up to trend. Your light fittings may be older light fittings and you need to have the energy-efficient ones put in. Because tenants are looking at that. Yes, they're paying the outgoings, the electricity, but they want to know that your building is one of the most efficient and cheapest buildings to run. So there are those sort of aspects you need to consider. And 
the final one would be a complete change of use for the property. And that might be that it's a, a small, not even small, medium-sized warehouse in a suburb that has changed over time. And I'm thinking of places like Richmond and Collingwood, where in that case many warehouses have actually moved from industrial straight to uh, residential. But more often than not, an industrial property would go to perhaps an office use, a quirky office use like for someone like an architect or advertising agency or, or someone like that. So they're pivotal in that they take a little bit of time and therefore you need to make sure that they're pre-planned and once they're done, they certainly will give you value, add value to your property greater than what the market would normally deliver you. So I think those are probably the three main pivotal issues that you, you need to consider. Now, what about some of the more cosmetic items? Now, although some cosmetic items may appear quite minor, their impact can be quite significant. Now, it's obvious with residential properties when I say that people buy with their eyes. In other words, that first impression as you walk off the street or as you open the front door, if it's, if it's solid and, and you know, gives the, the, the property a feeling of it's going to last. But equally with commercial property, you've got to consider curbside appeal because while you live in a house, you've got to remember your clients come to the property and if, if it doesn't look good as they arrive, it doesn't set a good tone for your business. Now, sure, you're the owner, they're the tenant, but you've got to think of them as your partner and you've got to look as though you were occupying the property and if, if when you first drove up to look at it, you didn't feel good about it, it's probably the wrong property to buy. But having said that, things might have changed over the three to five year period you've owned it and you, you know, it's wrong to visit the property like once a month or once once every every couple of months. It's probably better to leave it to once every six to nine to twelve months because then you notice if there's been any changes. You notice things like the garden as to whether it's it's starting to look overgrown or if there is a gardener engaged, he's not doing a good job and ought to be replaced. You know, the, the facade of the building, sometimes, particularly if you've got control of the whole building, that's not necessarily something that tenant is required to look after. Many tenants will because it's the nature of their business and they're, they're happy to keep a presentable exterior. I mean, certainly retail, to a lesser degree industrial, if it's a showroom, they certainly have a vested interest in, in, in how the building looks. But from your perspective as the landlord, you know, if there's a bit of plaster or render chipped or falling off the building, you need to attend to that. And as I said, it's best to do it on a semi-regular basis. But if you see it after six months and then say, I'll leave it for a couple of years, the weather gets in, a bit more chipping takes place, and then the thing starts to get into a major 
repair and, and sometimes even a replacement. So you need to look at, at those sort of things. Any external signage, you know, I'm not talking necessarily about the tenant signage, but there may be other signage around that maybe is getting a little tired, a little rusty or whatever. You need to look at that with fresh eyes every time you go there so that the the immediate appearance of someone arriving, you've got to think of this well before you start to sell because your next buyer is going to make these judgment calls when they arrive at the property. I mean, even your, your entry for you. And, you know, if you, let's say, you, you're fortunate enough to own a multi-storey building, well, the first place you spend money is on the ground floor because that benefits every single tenant. You know, the ground floor it might, might be introducing some indoor plants. It might be changing the colour of the walls. It might be including some artwork. It might be changing the lighting. Some of them are not major, but if you get the right advice, you can, you can do it relatively inexpensively but have a dramatic effect. And that makes the tenants feel good. And more often than not, if they see you doing that, all of a sudden the ground floor looks terrific and when they, people arrive on their floor, they suddenly think, well, well, maybe we've got to do something ourselves up on, on our level to smarten things up. So it starts a chain reaction. As I said, it's, it's, it's things that you need to do so that you're not caught short. And I think in either this or, or one of the earlier podcasts, I, I talk about having the building in ready-to-sell condition within 12 months of your ownership. So you get it to that point and then you keep it at that point so that if ever you, you do have to move quickly, there's not a, a mad flurry of activity to bring everything up to scratch. And the financial aspects? When it comes to the financial aspects, you need to understand where you are in the current cycle. We've discussed this before because I think it was probably last week where we talked about you know the current peak going to be around 2019-2020. And so you either need to have a lease that straddles that or have your rent review in 2018 or thereabouts and then sell it so that someone else can seize the blue sky ahead and they think for you know another five or six years it might only be 18 months, two years, but they feel comfortable uh, in that the market's rising, the rent's just been reviewed. So that's part of it. And, and this leads to the second one, which is consider your lease renewals an exercise of options so that you get the timing right. And, you know, it, it may not be, you know, if you're buying the property now, you say, look, you know, I really want to hold it for 10 years. Well, that's fine. But I'm a great believer that every four years or thereabouts that you should make a conscious decision to continue to hold the property. In other words, you've got to convince yourself why you should hold it. And the beauty of having your, your market review within the current cycle of 2018 means that you have the the best rent you can in a rising market and you have that flexibility. Do I hold? Do I sell? 
and so it makes that decision a lot easier. Now, if you know that you are coming up and thinking about selling, then you need to look at some of the landlord payments. Now, most of the leases are net leases, but it means that there are some components. Let's say you had work to be done on on air conditioning, the plant and equipment. Well, the important thing you need to to do is to make sure any non-recoupable expenses, and there can be, depending on the, the nature of the building, there can be some expenses that the tenants just physically don't pick up because they're not directly related to their tenancy. So you have to minimise those in the financial year running up to when you want to sell. So if you're coming up to, you're looking at some expenses and you're coming up towards the end of a financial year, you don't want to have them occur in this financial year because you've got to declare them then. And we're not talking the tax department, we're talking about in summarising the um, income and expenses for the sale up to the 30th of June of that financial year. You'd want to defer those expenses into the next financial year. Alternatively, you might decide that you want to capitalise the expense. In other words, not actually claim it as a deduction, as as a repairs and maintenance, but claim it as a capital item. And depending how much it is, you may be able to pretty much write it off anyway as a an item, although it's capital, write it off in the in the twelve the period, but it doesn't appear on the running sheet as income and expense because it's the net figure that's going to be capitalized by the investors to work out what the purchase price ought to be. And so you just have to be a little bit clever here and talk to your accountant and legitimately, we're not talking about fudging the figures, we're just talking about a timing issue so that in the financial year immediately prior to you selling, that it has the best looking set of books that you can possibly achieve. And part and parcel of that is also making sure that all the collections are up to date as far as the tenants are concerned. There's nothing worse, there's one recently where we're getting ready with a client to, to sell the property and as it turns out, the one of the tenants in the building is, I think, two, two and a half months behind in their rent. Now, everyone thought that that was going to be rectified, but the deal that was supposed to fix it fell over. But you can't go to the marketplace with a tenant in arrears, certainly not to that level. And so with your managing agent, you just have to make sure initially they have a good follow-up system to keep the tenants up to date. But if there is something like that going on, that that has to be closely monitored and remedied prior to you going to the market because the selling agent has to be able to hold his or her hand on their heart and say that there, there are no delinquent tenants, payment history is good, and this is a true reflection of what the net rent's going to be in uh, any given year. You seem to have considered everything I can think of. Is there 
Anything else that comes to mind? Well, probably the choice of your selling agent. Now, you've always got to make sure that you select one who is the most appropriate selling agent for your property based upon where the property is and what type of property it is. Because there are some agents that are better industrial agents. Sure, they might sell offices or retail, but if you look at their speciality, it's industrial property. So if yours is a warehouse or a factory, they're the people that you would use that are the most active in and around the area. Alternatively, others are special specialists in, in retail property. And yes, they ha- handle others, but, but that's their speciality. And sometimes within the larger firms, they do have specialists in each of these categories of uh, commercial property. And you've got to then decide whether, given the size of your property, that particular major agency they may be too big for your property. In other words, they're just not going to give it the attention that you want and and deserve purely because of the size of your property. So you've got to pick horses for courses and just make sure that the, the property fits the agent and also that the agent has proven marketing skills. Now, that is not just runs on the board. It means that that they are able to deliver to you a marketing program that is tailored to your property. In other words, it's not an off-the-shelf program they just churn out through the, the computer and just change the address and the, the vendor and... It's basically a pro forma presentation. And you can tell those pretty easily. I mean, I get to see a number of those. And apart from the the colours and the fonts used, a lot of them are are just pretty much the same in in what they do. And I think everyone looks at everybody else and sees what they're doing and then tries to replicate it. So you really want someone, either an individual or a firm, that is prepared to look after your property as though it were their own so that you get the the service you expect and they have personal relationship with you and also a good relationship with the prospective purchasers, either through their own database or because of the location that they've become the, the oracle in or because of the type of property which they have specialised in and shown to have uh, those runs on the board. So hopefully that sort of brings everything together and and gives you a a pretty good overview of the type of things that that you need to address both leading up to and at the time of selling your property. Once again, Chris, thank you. And I say that because so many investors seem to focus entirely on the acquisition process and assume selling more or less takes care of itself. However, there's obviously far more to it than that. Yeah, look, it's not overly complicated. 
it's just a matter of understanding a simple process that works.